All right, Chaz Smith, welcome back to the show. It's February 16th, 2023. It is The Grid. David Lee Scales, sometimes there are seismic things that happen in surfing that you and I have to uh, address immediately. See the firing of Eric Elo Logan. Sometimes there's things that happen that it's good just to sit back, watch the landscape for a minute, watch the dust clouds, see what's happening, and then for you and I to come way in. You think we would have gotten in trouble if we would have weighed in instantly on Felipe Toledo departing from the CT? Definitely not. I think oh, my okay. take is exactly the same now as it was then, to be honest. How has your... Uh, has your vision on the issue evolved? Let's say everybody by now knows we are talking about two-time and sitting world champion, Philippe Toledo, who uh, I guess it was, must've been less than a week ago. Cause we would have covered it or wait, the weed and we, weird we recorded. So last week we recorded on Wednesday um, yep. and we normally record on Thursday or Friday. And it probably happened on, I think it might've happened on Friday morning, Thursday mm. afternoon. It definitely happened within no, that Saturday. window. Okay. Saturday. So it's been just just barely under a week since yeah. Philippe Toledo, two-time and reigning world champion, uh, has left the building. Just like Eric Logan, he is no longer with the business. And uh, it's taking a year off, cited mental health break. But of course, you all know that by now. But yeah, yeah. Has, your, has your take evolved over the uh, ensuing six days? No, it's actually, I'd say, gotten more, it's gotten stronger. Yeah. I feel stronger about it because the backlash is so misdirected that I feel a need to restate the obvious to people, you know? I hear you. I hear you. I mean, okay, so let me ask you this first. Have you heard backlash or have you gotten any backlash for, I guess, ostensibly bullying Felipe Toledo off tour? Very little. It was very little of it was directed, you know, directly at me, maybe one or two emails, a couple of comments on Instagram. Um, and that's precisely what they say is like, hey, you guys basically have taken it too far. You know, you guys make fun and it's all fun and games, but people's feelings do get hurt. And in a worst case scenario, people actually do end up committing suicide. Like if they have mental health issues and they're dealing with depression, let's say, poking fun publicly can take its toll. And so my response to all of that is um, that does happen, you know, and that's unfortunate, but I don't feel personally responsible for Felipe Toledo taking a year off tour. He cited mental health break. He did not cite mental illness. And I think there's a major distinction there. Like you can't equate those two things we all have mental health that we manage and we take care of in the ways that we need to take care of. Taking time off tour after you've been on the championship tour for 10 years from the age of 17, by the way, is totally reasonable. That's mm, let's re be honest, though. Is it? Totally, it's, dude. It's unreasonable, let's just say. It's unreasonable when you are a two-time and sitting world champion, defending world champion, who is likely going to win your third, right? At lower trestles, it's all but guaranteed. If Felipe Toledo is in the top five, he will win lower trestles uh, eight times out of 10. And so it is abnormal for him. If he had like had a bad year on tour last year, right? 
if he had or say he had won his two world titles and then kind of had a shocker, like ended up in the middle of the pack somewhere and thought, you know, I just got to, I got to reassess here and refine my love of surfing. Uh, then I think that would be a normal thing for a person to do. What he did was entirely abnormal. See, I think you're misunderstanding. He's identifying that he has a vulnerability and a weakness, and he will end up having a bad year because of that vulnerability and weakness, and that's worse for his career. It's like identifying an injury early on and be like, man, before I tear this thing completely, I need to rehab it, have an adequate amount of time off and come back stronger than ever. Because at the age of 27, he's still, or I guess 28, he still can. But he I disagree a, with, I could disagree. take a full year off, come back mentally stronger than ever and still have years ahead of him at the peak of his prime. Hey, I disagree with your minority report read here that uh, we're going to identify something in the future that hasn't happened yet, right? We are going it has, to it arrest, already happened at pipe. We are going to arrest criminals, but he's he's never done great at pipe, right? I mean, people had sent me a couple like as evidence of Felipe Toledo's lack of fear uh, of him. I think it might have been a backdoor runner, uh, yeah, but like a five footer. Yeah, it was like yeah, cool man, like. She get barreled at pipe, and nobody ever said the kid cannot get barreled at pipe. The kid can't surf critical pipe. He can't surf critical chopo. Those are two waves that he's never been able to surf critically, nor has he ever cared, right? Like he has been, and maybe internally the argument could be made, oh, okay, all these, all this was cracking his mental health, uh, or or the cracking the the health of his mentality. But the like what? He's only ever been defiant. He's only ever been screw you. I owe nobody an explanation. I am a two-time world champion. Daddy, go tell him. You get out there, Ricardo, and you go tell him also that this Toledo family owes nobody nothing. That inter internet technicians and keyboard warriors and champs on the sofa or whatever he called CJ Hobgood know nothing and are owed no explanation, right? He's been defiant from the get. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I And I think that's a misstep. But I think the way that it looked to me, okay, and now I am speculating. And by the way, I'm not speculating on his mental health or illness Let's, or anything. Can, can, can we say at the outset, though, here, yeah. uh, mental health break or using mental health in air quotes is an overused excuse in this day and age that I think fundamentally undermines people who actually do have mental health issues, right? I think Felipe Toledo, and now I don't know, I'm no psychologist, but Felipe Toledo citing mental health to me is both not only lazy, it's rude. I agree with the fundamentally undermining aspect. But again, I think there's a distinction between saying I need a mental health break versus I'm taking time off due to mental illness. Like I hear he's you not diagnosing a specific illness. He's just saying basically, again, I'm speculating. He's saying I'm stressed beyond all get out and it would be inadvisable. Like I'm not going to advance my career by continuing doing, you know, surfing in this event or this season or whatever. I need time off to reassess. And I, I earlier said that it's reasonable. What I mean by that is if you've spent a decade, the tour is an unreasonable schedule to do for a long period of time. He's been doing it for a decade from a very young age. And in that amount of time has had multiple kids. 
I think he feels the pressure of wanting to spend time with those kids mm. and develop that family and all that kind of thing. And is it though, dude, is a it decade, really difficult? a decade at the highest level. Let's be honest about sure. You're traveling around the world, you know, for what, let's say seven months out of the year. Nine. Uh, it's not okay. Let's say nine months, but you're home for, you know, and he's ostensibly home for two whole legs of this, right? He's home in San Clemente. And then you could also say he's home in Brazil. Uh, and so let's say you're traveling the world seven months a year uh, for, you know, and it's I don't, more than seven though. I mean, in just but the we're, we're saying he's San Clemente home, right? So that's a month. Uh, he's let's say he's home in Brazil, even though he's uh, abdicated his Brazilianness. Um, but yeah, like I think saying this is like that he's down in the coal mines is ridiculous. This isn't his job is not taxing. I'm sorry. I am sorry to say it that being a professional surfer is not a taxing career. And his this is tiring was was also a lazy excuse for do what you want. He he has the Felipe Toledo has the demeanor and thus far has had the track record of I don't know I don't owe anybody an explanation. Fine. Don't explain this either. Just take the year off. Who cares? If yeah. I mean, we'll still speculate no matter what, but you throwing and you Felipe Toledo throwing half-baked mental health stuff. And this is tiring. Pish posh. I cannot believe I'm defending Felipe Toledo. I can't either. I can't um, either. But I am because I think that it is important to tease apart. Like nobody said coal mine, first of all. So he's, that, not, a, he's not a teacher in the U U.S. or yeah, totally. school district. He is not you, a policeman he's not a construction worker he's not doing anything difficult like let's be you can very very jobs. frank you can name, name a million jobs that are more difficult and also I can name less every less job in the world yeah like, of, of course literally a pro surfer is obviously a dream situation and especially earning millions of dollars is despite that human beings it's nature to regress to a mean so you will then whatever your norm is becomes your norm. It doesn't, it's hard to factor in somebody else's context. And so in that, but it also comes with its own stressors, even earning a million dollars comes with its own stressors. You know what I mean? And so managing all the things that he's managing and having the weight of the world titles and defending a world title comes with stressors. I know nothing about it. All I know is everybody who's ever been in that position will tell you that. So I think that's what Felipe is identifying. And again, what I was going to say is speculating based on what he wrote in his Instagram post and what we saw of him at Pipe, the way that I interpreted it was he was not planning to take this season off. Yes. He wasn't, he wasn't planning that going into Pipe. He came off of a huge adrenaline dump of winning a second world title. Is it that huge though? Let's be honest about that too. Yes, winning it like- sure, dude. I mean, I think that the the greatest thing you've ever wanted to achieve in your life and doing it on the second time, you have and, to feel amazing. And lion chest pounding all about it all the way, except for, you know, as well as anyone that it's devalued. I mean, everyone yeah, knows of course. It. You of can course. say that it's not, but you just won. It'd be like training your whole, and we don't even, I don't even need to make an analogy here. Everybody knows it is not the real world tour. It is not a real world champion. Like the, the World Surf League, completely devalued what that means everybody knows that Philippe Toledo could say no -uh, I played and all the people who say no he played by the rules he won by the rules 
as if, again, I've said this before, the World Surf League rules were handed to Moses on top of uh, Mount Sinai along with the Ten Commandments. Like, this is a broken, dumb, idiotic rule thing that was introduced by a broken, dumb, idiotic man, Eric Logan, uh, in order to gin up support for something that's failing. And that's what world, that's what Philippe Toledo won two of. He won the failing World Surf League title twice. Look. Look, we're on the same page about that. Go back and play our last 22 episodes and you have my full agreement with that. Um, but he but knows that I, too. Yeah, I don't think he does. No, he's he living does. in a No, Felipe's living in a world of... Sycophants. He's got... Sycophants. He's got yeah, it's an echo chamber and he's not listening to what we're saying. But he, For sure not. What we're, but what we're saying broke through that wall of positive noise. And this is where maybe feedback is correct about us, quote, bullying, even though it's not bullying, is the... Feedback broke through the wall of positive noise. So what I was getting at was coming off of that adrenaline dump, he had a, he enjoyed his time off. All of a sudden, the new year is starting. He doesn't go to Hawaii at the same time that everybody else did. We saw them all catching waves at pipe in the free surfs. He wasn't there. But eventually, he shows up for the comp. Turns out it's pumping. He's here to defend his world title, and he's faced with his old and greatest foe which is big, scary waves. So he paddles <laughs> out and he's not prepared for it. So he gets a one point, whatever goes 1. back 7, in. 7. Yeah. 1.77 total heat total for the first uh, heat. Then he's sitting on the beach going, I'm not prepared. Like, I don't want to go out there. I'm not prepared for this. You know what? I'm just going to call in sick calls in sick and boom, the internet lights up and we broke through the wall of positive noise. And I think at that point, so then they had a couple lay days then when he posted on Instagram that he was taking time off, he said specifically, over the last couple of days, I've discussed this a lot with my loved ones, meaning it wasn't a conversation that they were having leading into the pipe event. It was between his failure at pipe until he posted that Instagram is when this conversation started happening. So I think that's where he got in his own head. And he probably thought, look, I want to be able to perform at the highest level. I clearly can't hear. I'm seeing these girls, by the way, the girl event happened, the, you know, in that amount of time. And he's seeing these girls are smoking me. Yeah. And I don't think, and by the way, sunset starts tomorrow. I don't think I'm prepped for sunset if I'm really going to be honest, but you know what I did enjoy the summer off with my family and my kid needs my attention in this moment right now. I think I should probably devote some time to my kid, you know? And so that's where I think it is all reasonable to take time off when you're at his stage in life, when you've accomplished what he's accomplished, rather than trying to overextend yourself, selling your family short, selling your competitors short by not giving them your best, and then putting in a half-baked performance and having to suss it out at the end of the year. I think he identified correctly. I've got a problem here. I need to address the problem. Let them have this season. I'll come back next season stronger. I mean... I hear you for an average guy to make that decision who like an average rich guy who has a job that he doesn't need, has enough money in the bank could say, you know what? Life is getting a little stressy here. Let's pump the brakes and just take it easy. You know who doesn't do that? And I'm not saying this is the right thing to do. I'm just saying champions don't do that. Look at Kelly Slater's relationship with his daughter for example, right? Like you never even heard of his daughter until way later. And I think it was, you know, let's hope it's all mended now, but I think he was entirely an absentee father for her entire life. And he's a champion. Like I think, and I'm again, hear me, 
dear listener, I'm not saying that is preferable to being a nice family man, but uh, Philippe Toledo wants his cake and wants to eat it too, which in this case, I think you just can't. You're either a champion and have the DNA of a champion, which he doesn't, and that's fine. Uh, unless I guess he will be like the only good story or outcome of this story I see is that he goes and he secretly trains hard for Chopu instead of denying that he's only ever denied that he has a problem out there. Like only Papa Toledo came out and said he's scared of hitting the reef. That's the only mention we've ever heard of that. Felipe has never said that. Uh, Felipe should go conquer those fears, show up at Chopu for the Olympics. Boom. I mean, I, we've been saying this forever. This is, or for a while, best sporting story, definitely of the year, probably of the decade, maybe ever. Miracle he on ice. He said he's hiring Matahi Drole to prep for Chopu. Oh, when? I don't, I mean, he, I don't know. Scott Bass told me I did not see it, but he said that somewhere. Okay. Well, sweet. So, I mean, if he, so if he we'll actually see. does that, yeah. If he does that, if he takes this year off, if he says, look at, I, I mean, which would have been a, a far greater, I would have loved and praised his statement. If he would have come out of pipe and said, look, the world saw my shortcomings. I had to look in the mirror and recognize them myself. I'm have the privilege of my sponsors and the world surf league kicking me a, a imagine that by the way too uh who doesn't get his next year wild card who doesn't somebody doesn't he got a season long wild oh, card right, next year right, for right. being a yeah, sissy yeah, yeah. uh right. so that means somebody is not getting it who was injured for right. you know which is that's a story for another time but for this time uh if he said look the world surf league is going to give me my sissy wild card uh the uh my sponsors are backing this move I am going to go train in the thing that I am bad at. I'm going to be dark. I'm going to be offline until the Olympics. You'll see how it goes then. So will I. Yeah. Boom. Goodbye. Well, I mean, to be honest, I'm not convinced that he will conquer his fears at Chopu, even by hiring Matahi Drole. Like whatever is between his ears that um, is preventing him from kind of conquering that fear, I don't think Matahi... Matai can teach him how to surf Chopu. You know what I mean? But he's not like a sports psychologist that can help him break down whatever he's. But I think having this time off will at least allow him to reassess what's going on in his life. Um, but the conversation about Kelly Slater doing what Kelly Slater's done is so, such an anomaly. You know what I mean? Like that is absurd I think I, that Kelly's I, able to stay on tour for as long as he has. Nobody will be held to that standard or nobody will be able to achieve that in the future. And in fact, it's probably entirely unhealthy what Kelly's uh, For done. sure it's unhealthy. I'm going to say that like I was taking this across sport. I was going to say champions of anything, you know, Tom Brady to Mike Tyson to whoever. Champions are probably rotten people. You got to be narcissistic because you only have to be concerned about yourself and your training and you're getting the best stuff, right? Like there's all of these problems, but if you want to be a champion, that's the, the cost of being a champion. I would say, of course there's anomalies, but the cost of being a champion is by and large, you are a bad person, a bad father, a bad husband, a bad wife, a bad everything. Yeah. And I think Felipe is trying to shake that up. I think Felipe is trying to break the mold. I mean, then uh, yeah, great. I, you can't. That thing is baked <laughs> in. I think I'm again. I for some reason, and you asked me, do I have I changed my opinion? Apparently, you have. No, I changed it since before the news broke. Because when the news, but I'm committed to the way I felt when the news broke, and the way that I felt when the news broke was 
good for you. Like, honestly, be realistic with yourself. Take this time off. You're still going to be at the top of your game at age 29. You know what I mean? Like, mm, are do you? you? Yeah, yeah. I think you think, he's, you think he's, see, I think he'll be better, dude. I guarantee if he actually addresses the things that we're talking about, he can come back at 29 better and, and slay. I mean, you better, but he yeah. better learn how to surf at least like comparably big waves. Like, cause he doesn't, nobody's expecting Talib, Felipe Toledo to be a big wave champion. Nobody's expecting him to go win big surf, right? People are expecting him to give effort. And so I guess if he came back from his year break and gave effort, that would be something. If he's still surfing small waves and by the way, J Bay and that sort of stuff with the same level that he is now, but then he's additionally got any getting equal semblance. Yeah. Any semblance of game at yeah. big barreling waves. Like it doesn't have to be first place, but just make the round of 16. Yeah. It'll be pretty undeniable, but I think all of this um, points out the obvious, which is that he is the latest victim of Elo's extended ET fingers poo poo touch, and DJ Seaweed has submitted a new jam for us. Yes. DJ Seaweed, bravo, bravo, and bravo. Hit it out of the park. I literally, my eyes are watering because I was laughing so hard (laughs) at that. It's so, I mean, the lyrics are genius. It's beautifully executed. The production value could use a little bit of work, but But that's okay. This is is the kind of, this is the kind of single though, big record execs here. And they say, sign that man, get DJ Seaweed on the horn, sign him up. Dude, I heard this is now going from um, hilarious to poignant, but I heard a story one time about uh, the guy who discovered Tracy Chapman. Yeah. And I wish I could remember, like it was on a podcast. I wish I could remember which one so that I could re-listen to it. But, you know, she was at a university. She was a university student playing like a coffee house, open mic or something like that. And he walked into the back of the room and she was playing, uh, talking about a revolution and he was just like, the room was dead silent and just awestruck, you know, by her. And he took it to a bunch of music. He worked in the music industry, took it to, I think it was at like Sony or something. And uh, they were all like, he got yeah, his cool. demo tape from her. He took it in. They were like, you know, it's, it's all right. It's like folk, but how do we market this? Like, 
you know, first of all, she's black, but that, but then she's doing folk. And then like, is she gay? Like what's going on? I'm not sure where to even put this, how to market it. It doesn't make sense for us. He loved her so much. He left his job. I think he started a record label and then put her on that record label. And of course it's done what it did, but it was I, just undeniable, you know, I, how incredible she was. I thought you were going to say, uh, then he made her sing a parody song that got sent <laughs> to, to a podcast and then she reached fame. No, but she's in the news lately anyways, yeah. because of that Grammy performance, which again, amazing. Anyways, DJ Seaweed is cut from that same cloth. I hope that a record executive hears yep. what he just provided for us here. Yep. And, um, but how true as like all this. And again, Felipe Toledo, like it's fun to debate it in the minutes after it's happened. It's fun to discuss it a week after it's happened. It'll be fun in a year after it's happened because hindsight provides like so much more, obviously, depth and of course, insight, the whole rigmarole, <laughs> right? Like we can see now, though, Elo's poo touch, his destruction of surfing was so great that it goes like that it continues. And you're exactly right. You pointed it out specifically that uh, Eric Logan physically touched uh, Felipe Toledo, he made him take his shirt off and he put his skin on. He put Felipe's Toledo on skin on who is like damaged beyond damaged. Now, Felipe Toledo. It, it was only a matter of time. We didn't realize it at the time that that touch actually was going to become a cancer for Felipe. No, because we, we didn't, we just... didn't even know the poo poo touch then. We just knew Eric was a flim flammy guy, Yeah, but I didn't know that everything he touched turned to poo poo at that no. time. No. I just thought I mean, he's pretty poo-poo, but well, we he became Eric Buffalogan at that yeah. point, which was amazing in its own right. So I only thought that that was a reflection on Elo. We did not know it was a contaminant that was then going to damage Felipe, and he would end up withdrawing. So withdrawing. huge, huge news. And Elo, by the way, who's come out of the shadows finally. Um, in the last week as well. I mean, that's kind of a storyline that we didn't even discuss. Did you no, write about that one? I did, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. With the Clippers. Now, he also has a sub stack, if anybody wants. I haven't put that on the Beach Grid yet. Uh, but he has a full-on, like, he's writing now. He writes, like, inspirational businessy stuff, oh, okay. which is utter nonsense. Like, it is from, from oh, uh, can I pull it up here? Let's see. Let me see. I think I have it. from in. Okay, here we go. You want me to read you a little bit, David? Yeah, Miskell? sure. Uh, here we go. From insecurity, I'm, I'm apprehensive. Actually, I don't want to be infected by the poo poo touch. Well, will this in contaminate me? Uh, we, you and I are already contaminated. It might contaminate our listeners. You know what? I'm on my drinkag1.com/surf, so I'm probably fortified against it. And those listeners who are not on the program, drinkag1/surf, uh, get it. Slash surf. Dot com slash surf. Get it today, right now, because you are going to hear some words. Okay. Push pause, order it. It'll show up soon. Drink it, then push play again. Exactly. It's like so quick that turnaround there. So, uh, how do you for how do you really know if you are ready, ready for a call, a meeting, or anything in business? It's a question I have been asked for years by younger executives and people asking for my advice. Honestly, I'm unsure if you will ever really know if you're ever truly ready. However, one CEO had three words for me that changed how I think about meetings and the question of readiness. Uh. I could go on, but this one is huge and there's a ton more of them. There, uh, first of all, there's to... no way anybody ever asked him, no. hey, how do you know you're ready for a call? No. There's nope. no chance that setup is in any way true. 
the whole thing goes so long. It is, uh, yeah. But anyway, that's as Eric Logan has a Substack for anybody who wants to look at Eric Logan's Substack. It sounds like he had a AI write that for him. I mean, the, the, it's like worse than AI. It's in some way like the it could be AI. You know, that well, makes sense because I read it and I was like, this is unreadable. Like, I don't even know yeah. what you're beginning to try to say. Yeah. Uh, and then, but yeah, he's poo-poo touching. I mean, it's poo-poo touch. Uh, I think knows poo-poo touch out there because for those who don't know, Eric Logan is now doing something like some producing or something of like a side TV thing uh, for the Los Angeles Clippers who are truly one of, if not the most, I, I don't think they're the, but one of the most snake bit teams in all of professional sport, not just basketball, not, you know, in basketball, baseball, football. Uh, the Clippers are a notoriously snake bit team who hired Eric Logan to do something. So man, and the bummer for them is they were riding high. They've been on like, they look like they finally put it together, but watch and see. And I guess my only question here is maybe two poo-poos equal a positive. Maybe the Clipper poo-poo and the Logan poo-poo together are going to be like Clippers win. And then Eric goes and has some wins an Emmy award for his work. You know what? The mass public loves terrible content nowadays, terrible music, terrible movies. And um, those are the ones that are the highest earning. So maybe maybe poop, double up on touch. the poo-poo. So interestingly, talking about the fallout of Felipe from six days ago, um, people kind of lashing out, saying that people had been bullying him and that's why he withdrew. S quote, guru Sam George savagely, or savages, quote, petty, whiny, constantly complaining, crybaby, surf website commenters, and full frontal assault. Sam George Damn. took to the inertia to write an op-ed, I guess, about yes, beach trip. A, a slam, I think so, because I don't really know of any other, uh, like, vociferously, uh, what, opinionated message boards. Do you? I mean, yeah, Surfer yeah. clearly doesn't have one. Stabs all, whatever, I stabs behind the paywall, so who knows. Or I go to stab every once in a while on, on my sneaky behind the paywall ventures and uh yeah none of their like their uh seems like commenters are just like really into stab in the dark or whatever right they're like but, discussing that stuff you know sam could have been referencing stab from five years ago maybe but yeah i don't think he is he's directly talking about beach Crit. and sam is a full-on tool shed uh clearly and obviously and so his opinion doesn't need to be discussed much except for the fact that i think it does highlight a couple things here the people, David Lee Scales, the commenters, the listeners, the participants—those uh, who participate in the discussion—I think have never had more power than they do at this moment right here. And let's look at some of the. I mean, it's been leading up, right? I feel that it could be said that the nonstop, uh, let's say, analysis of Eric Logan led to his firing, partially. Like Eric did something that got him fired. But I think he was shaky already. Uh, we have Sophie Goldschmidt, who couldn't have gotten out of the room quick enough. And she even took it light. Paul Speaker, gone. Felipe Backward Finn Beth, of course, gone. Uh, Felipe Toledo, gone. Where the voices of the people now are coming through and are unable to be ignored. Like the fact that 
Jesse Miley Dyer had to stand, World Surf League chief, chief of Sport, had to stand and explain why they canceled that big day of pipe. They would have never done that. The whole World Surf League MO entirely is, oh, no one an explanation. Keep your mouth shut, which is a in you know a way that's a great PR strategy is never explain, never apologize, head down, keep moving forward. You let the news cycle run out of things to say. And part of the problem with Toledo's news cycle, back to him real quick, is that even when the news cycle on him, uh, on his poor pipe performance, would have uh, gassed out, stinking Papa Toledo was there pouring gas on the. Yeah on the dying embers to like rage it back to life. But all to say everyone now is listening. Like it's, it's undeniable that people are listening to the people at home, which is exactly how it should be. This is a populist uprising in surf. I think that is great and long overdue, like get out of your stinking ivory towers and actually give the people what they, it's all this is for is them give them what they yeah. want. So a couple of things, um, the, strategy of just like letting the news cycle take over and not addressing the negative negativity. It's a good PR strategy for a corporation, but it will not endear your own fans to no, you. No, if you're trying and to build fans. Exactly. And Felipe Toledo is not an organization. So him kind of try if he were to try to live by that same policy, it wouldn't necessarily work the same. But furthermore, um the what was the other thing that you said? Oh, Sam, Sam George is what I was working towards. The, it's a total misunderstanding. Like this isn't all a cacophony of negativity. No, this isn't all is criticism has value. And the fact that we're watching it as closely as we are and having, you know, opinions about it. And maybe he's talking about a few, I don't know, non-critical comments that are purely negative if you just look at those, but when you actually read what's going on, we are super astute, alert uh, fans of the thing, calling a spade a spade. And just calling something for what it is, is not rude. You know no. what I mean? Like there's a way to have a conversation about Felipe's missteps or the WSL's missteps that is actually beneficial and moving the progress forward or moving things in the right direction. You know, and I disagree, like Eric Logan got himself fired. There's nothing that we said about Eric Logan that got him, that led to his firing. However, everything that we said about him was an accurate assessment of his missteps that needed to be brought to light and that the organization actually should have been looking at and making assessments on how his performance based on, you know what I mean? Totally. I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, there was 300 or more than 300 comments on beach grit, uh, uh, about the Philippe Toledo stepping away story. Right. And for sure you have your, you know, whatever, 20% of he's a chicken, da, 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 da. Uh, but it's also like, he, which is also a fine criticism, but there's also like real discussion happening about mental health, about, yeah. you know, this, that, or the other thing. I think you can, it's easy to say negativity. Like all Sam George is doing is parroting the dumb mainstream line of like, people are critical on the internet because they're faceless and they don't have, you know, they don't have to put their name by their avatar and K. And so everybody there is negative and everybody's way tougher than they would be because they don't have to put their name K. Like it's all just garbage. Like, if you actually get into comment boards, I think each is its kind of own ecosystem. And if you want to criticize a particular one, all fine and good, like making the blanket statement, all commenters are negative. 
like if Sam George cared or wanted, he could get into Beach Grit's comments, try to understand them as an ecosystem and then make an assessment, right? If he felt the need to, okay, yeah, like, but it's it's not all, it's not about negativity. This idea that everything is negative is dumb, A. B, criticism is an art. There is like art criticism is an art. Uh, literary criticism is an art. Film criticism is an art. This idea of criticism where everything has to be positive. I read today, for example, uh, have you seen trailers for the movie Madam Web, I think it's called? No. Uh, so Madam Web, I think, is part of the, I can't remember which, Marvel, whatever, you know, super superhero yeah. movie. I think it's based tied to Spider-Man where it's like a girl Spider-Man thing. In any case, the movie got so roasted that I think it was the Daily Beast maybe that did like the best of uh and it was savage in a way that Philippe Toledo or Eric Logan or like nobody could even dream of. I mean, it was ruthless but brilliant and honest and all of it, right? Where criticism does have a place. And to think that criticism equals negativity equals our society's toxic and we don't need this is equals bullying. Yeah, equals bullying is just dumb baby thinking, which grow a brain, Sam George. Like grow some a ability to think critically to both take barbs which i think sam george probably does well enough like i never see him like crying or you know he he does stupid stuff like try to go on the inertia and then make a veiled attack against you know faceless commenters or whatever he's trying to do but overall he seems like he stands in the public space okay but yeah uh, like philippe too like come on man take it like take well, it and not only not only take it whine. but there's not only take it, but there's so much, uh, you know, take, I guess, take it with a grain of salt, but there is insights there that you could sure. actually learn from if you actually read, you know, read it. If you care. And try I mean, to understand you, what the criticism was. That's a, like everybody get their, gets their, not, or not everybody, but I think that those who get their hackles raised and then build quick defenses fail to actually learn from what the criticism right. is saying like yeah, yeah it's important to i think be able to sift through it and say okay this is just trying to be mean-spirited i can i yeah. can disregard that this one right here yeah it hurts it hurts bad because it's true and it's something that i need to catalog now if i want to change it uh i can if i don't obviously who's making me but i i need to be aware that this is a true statement about my work that's how I kind of felt after day two of the Felipe withdrawing and getting a couple of comments saying like, you guys bullied him into retirement. My thought was I'm actually okay with, if that is partially true, like if our criticisms were so accurate that it played out the way that I explained it earlier and he yeah. had to reassess. And now he's going to go back and address those things, sure. take the year off, focus on Chopu, and then come back next year stronger, better than ever. And by the way, his family got more time with him and he feels good about the investments that he made there. Then you're welcome. You I know will, what I mean? Now, again, it's not bullying. It is a critical assessment that got to the core of a matter. That for might somebody. hurt. I mean, that's, yeah, totally. That should hurt. And, 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 you know, like, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I, like, am not looking in the mirror close enough. But, dear listener, I, if I went over the line with Philippe Toledo, I don't think I ever did. I feel like I challenged him on being a coward, which I think was absolutely true. He showed cowardice. I don't know that his heart is cowardly necessarily or that if, you know, 
I don't know what we've talked about before on the movie or on this. Did we talk about it even last week? Uh, Force Majeure, one of the greatest we, movies ever. We talked about it like six months ago. Yeah, yeah. Force Majeure, where the where the father, for those who don't know and do not watch the Phil Fer Will Ferrell version, watch the original uh, Swedish or Norwegian or whatever it is version. But where a avalanche happens and dad runs away from his family. And then the whole movie is about him addressing him first denying that he ran away and then having to come to terms with running away. So like really about cowardice, right? So I, anyway, I don't know that Philippe Toledo would run away from his family in an avalanche. I do for a fact know that he doesn't paddle in at Chopu or Pipeline when it gets big, right? So he demonstrated cowardice. That's true. That's not bullying. And I think that is the whole realm of our discussion about him. I wasn't poking fun at his family. I wasn't, you know, laughing about his whatever fashion choices. Like there was no other bullying about Philippe Toledo other than what he presented, what we saw yeah. him do. And then it yeah. wasn't even bullying. It was just discussing it. If discussing yeah. shortcoming is bullying of a public figure, then I guess we're all bullies, David Lee Scales. Well, didn't go too far with Fleet, but you might have gone too far with Kelly and his parenting. <laughs> but no, it's true. Like, let's be honest. Like his, he's I don't want to be honest about, about that. You don't. Like, well, that's a, I don't know that's anything. Fact. The thing is, we're only you can only make your assessment from a very, very far vantage point. So I have no idea what the inner workings are, and I honestly don't want to comment on it. Kelly was an absentee father. And I think he's even admitted it. I think his daughter has at some point, I think their relationship is good now, if I recall, but there was discussion about Kelly not being there. Of course he wasn't yeah. there. He was traveling the world, winning world titles. Well, the best comment section of the week on beach trip funniest came on an article that was just published. I believe in the last 24 hours, quote, WSL anoints UFC exec Joe Carr as the CEO six months after unexplained disappearance of former head Eric Logan. This would have been this would have led the show. This news would have led the show in any other week. David Lee Scales, we have a new CEO. Yeah, it really would have. But you know, to be honest, it's more of I mean, if we felt like the WSL was not servicing the core fans and was maybe headed towards a cliff as a result of that. Um, gosh, this is more of that. This For is sure. like absolute solidification of, oh no, they don't understand surfing at all. They're doubling, they're tripling down and they're driving this thing straight into the cliff. Except for with each new CEO, I like to roll out the red carpet on both the grit, beach grit, anywhere like, Hey man, come on in. Water's warm. It's maybe a little toasty sometimes. It may be a little toxic sometimes, but uh, like, come in, see what you just see well, what you see. Well, let me read from Derek's article and a little bit from the press release from the WSL. Derek said, Joe Carr has got a few miles under his belt. He helped steer Dana and co into a $4 billion buyout for the UFC and lately was the founder and CEO of Nitro Circus parent company, Thrill One. So, I mean, amazing accomplishments on this guy's resume, right? This all he was the looks C CEO of uh, Street League skateboarding for a minute too, which got left out of all because I think he was fired. Oh, do you know what he was fired for? No, I wasn't for cause. Okay. I don't think. Okay, well, I mean, impressive resume across the board, right? Um, he was also chief strategy officer for the WSL under Logan for 18 months in 2017 to 18 and president of the WSL for seven months in 2019. 
in his new role at the WSL, or I think this is from the press release for the WSL, they said, in his new role at the WSL, Carr will lead the strategy and execution of the league's international business and spearhead further investing integration with the Kelly Slater Wave Co. As a lifelong sports fan, I've had the opportunity to witness the WSL's impressive growth over the last few years, said Carr. It felt like the perfect time to join the organization and help it further alter the landscape of sport through continued digital innovation and a commitment to its athletes. Few sports have such a global and passionate fan base and a lifestyle component that extends far beyond competition. I'm looking forward to driving the league's expansion efforts and making the WSL globally recognized brand. With Carr's appointment, the WSL further underscores its commitment to further globalization and adds to its impressive roster of talented and experienced sports executives. Carr will be focused on fulfilling Goldschmidt's vision for expanding engagement around the world, cultivating athlete development programs and unique fan experiences, as well as leveraging the unparalleled opportunity the league has to further integrate the Kelly Slater Wave Company and its groundbreaking technology, as well as support the inclusion of surfing into the Tokyo 2020 it's Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games to evolve the landscape of comp uh, competitive surfing around the world, end quote. Boom! What we so, have, David, and and I'm going to say again, Carr, come on in, man. Like, engage. I'm here. Uh, it's all, you got my number. Call me up. Let's chat. Uh, well, so the, the problem, and Derek pointed it out in the first line of his article, is the real focus on the integration of the Kelly Slater Wave Co. Sure. We're going to have we're going to have a Abu Dhabi uh tour stop, mark my words, except for I've already called that the tour is going to be finished by next year. So, but if it's still going, if I was perchance wrong, we will have an Abu Dhabi event next year. I would say it would be done this year as well, except this seems like a big investment from the WSL to hire Joe Carr. And presumably he has a big workload that he's going to be committing to. And so I don't think it was that big why would investment, you do that? let's just say. You don't think so? No. I think it's a, I don't think it was a big investment. No. I mean, okay. for sure. What I think is that, uh, and what I've heard uh, from decent sources is that speaker or speaker, that uh, Ziff is bundling to sell to a Saudi Arabian interest. Uh, and so this is probably like shoring up, shoring up, you know, whatever wave pool is what we have. This is like, they've identified as the tour doesn't matter. It's the wave pool. The tour is kind of a loss leader for these wave pools or the Kelly Slater wave technology that we can sell to more municipalities that you dear Saudi princes can sell to whoever, right? This is a valuable asset because of these pools. And because you're going to have international people looking at these pools based on blah, 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 you know, and whatever. And then you get this little dog and pony show here with the professional tour too. But I, I reckon that, yeah, it's going to be that the whole point of this is to trim to sell. All of the options, including the one you just stated are awful for us, the fans. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's just like, so it's, it's it, good. It, it it's only good it for us. It's only good for us in if it is does that and it becomes a wave pool tour that's so bad that you know at that point then no surfing is better. No professional surfing is better than that kind of professional surfing. At which point you would hope some either other billionaire or a you know Red Bull steps up and does a really you know pared down four wave slam 
And that's our new professional surfing is you win, you know, you got pipeline, Chopu, cloud break, J Bay, and then world title. That's your world title winner. Yep. I think that's could happen right now. There's no reason why that couldn't happen out of the current ashes. Uh, my prediction though, is if all of that does come true, Felipe's will come roaring back to life. His lion spirit will come roaring back to life off of his, uh, you know, mental health break. And he will join that wave pool tour quicker than you could possibly say Chopu. Family, he, we were in the middle of playing blocks with his young children and hear that call and just knock that tower over. Sorry, kids. <laughs> be back in nine months. No, he won't. He'll say, hey, kids, you want to go to Abu Dhabi? Let's go. <laughs> That's what he'll be saying. The, so uh, here, so a listener chimed in a couple of weeks ago and I've been spinning my notes, but it's a perfectly fits in with our conversation today because the header for the email was entitled golden poopoo touching david and chaz i feel it's safe to speak for the masses when i say we all realize by now to uh that due to your efforts many of the world's most pressing social medical and financial problems have been solved in short order making room to move forward working on the next great crisis however it seems the current existence of the wsl still elicits a general question of how and why from the two greatest surf journalists of the past 200 years I have never been accused of being a critical thinker or financial wizard, but let me offer my two cents, uh, now worth nothing due to inflation, on the greatest mystery of our 21st century. Since billionaire Dirk Ziff acquired the WSL, the face-bending bad decisions have seemed to accelerate year after year. From hiring a Midwest corporate vulnerable adult learning paddle jacker, I love paddle jacker, <laughs> whose Superman cape is a wetsuit, to dressing up one of your commentators in a hard hat and a shiny blue color construction costume to endorse your main sponsor, a ladder company, as if those and all of the atrocities between aren't enough, now we have the pipe contest sold off, renaming our multiple-time world champ, not even taking off at a horribly mistimed Super Bowl of our sport, it undoubtedly brings up the question we have heard for years of how stupid can you be? But if, sorry, um, but what if that is the exact question Ziff wants to hear? And the louder the question gets reinforces his position to have his team of non-surfing executives doubling down on asinine ideas, the next one being cringier than the last. What are billionaires good at? Making money. Making capital gains uh, comes with paying taxes. How do you reduce your tax bill? Losing on investments, having your invest, uh, having to invest capital from your profits into assets that are that are tanking to keep it afloat. Uh, so have we had it all wrong the whole time? Does Ziff need this sinking ship to sink faster to help protect his wealth? Is professional surfing as well as the surf fan just a tax write-off for him? Is Ziff basically shorting surfing into non-existence for his personal gain? Sad days. This also leaves us with only one question. Was Ziff involved with rollerblading? Thanks for all your efforts. Viva la revolution. Keep working. Thank you, Chris in New York. Chris in New York, brilliant. And I think true for the first uh However many years, five years of Ziff's, how, how long has Ziff owned professional surfing? I forget. It's I'm going to say 
I think since 2015, 2015. So it's been nine years. If I'm not mistaken, again, I am no psychologist, but I'm also no financial expert. I think you're only allowed seven years uh, of write-off in a company. You can't have a company that's perpetually losing that you're dumping in. And so I do believe, yes, that Ziff did use the World Surf League as a on his tax ledger tax ledger as a plus i do believe and correct me if i'm wrong dear listeners but i think that that has a uh window that closes the government knows we're not just going to let you own professional surfing a dumb thing like professional surfing and then pour all your losses in there and never really pay taxes yeah i we did have an expert weigh in on this uh, maybe two years ago or something and gave the exact explanation for how it would work um, but I didn't have, I don't know how to find that email now today. So I wasn't I'm, able to, I'm pretty uh, like, I'm 100% certain in fact, that it's not, this is not a perpetual yeah. thing you can do. And that I do believe that Ziff has run out of time on his. Right. So Ziff is now not able to use the world surf league as a write-off. I mean, he Which can write off. In, yeah. Why he's why, in cell mode. You know? Yeah. Fully. Why? I mean, this is all this Joe car move. And again, Joe got my number. Call me up, man. I will extend you. Like this, I feel with all of them. I feel like I've given a fair, the only one I didn't give a fair shake to was Paul Speaker because he was a dumb shit from the gate. Paul Speaker came out right away and said, Sir, pro surfing is going to be bigger than football. Like that was one of his first things he said. He, Paul Speaker was an idiot from the starting line, right? Yeah. I extended though, hey, Soph, let me hear what you say. You and I went up and got, got poo-poo touched ourselves by Eric Logan and Joe Carr, happy to sit down. Happy to hear, I, I, I'll let you know that I'm a little sullied by your World Surf League being such a complete fraudulent junk show over the years. Uh, so it's hard for me to believe that anything good is going to come from that bag of clowns. Uh, but call me up, man. I'll even drive up to the veterinarian offices to meet you. I will listen to the sound of dying dogs while we discuss. The thing is, there's no point at this point, you know, like what it they're so obviously I'll tell you though, doing something else and trying to be something else. They are, but no I point in engaging, but they are addressing, they, they are quaking, they're understanding. I truly feel they're finally, it finally broke through to them. And I think more so than Felipe quitting, uh, essentially, I think it was when Jesse had to stand in front of the camera and lie about why they called it off. Or, I mean, I guess she said her crap version of why they called it off. Did you see the Instagrammer that posted, like went back into uh, Surfline Rewind and po- like uh, posted all of the epic rides or epic waves that day? It was just nonstop epic waves. That day was the day they called off for being too big. That thing right there. But the fact they addressed that says to me, they're like worried they are worried that they are actually losing the their core audience and that they're they don't yet have the saudi dollar they're gonna have to prove to somebody that there's some audience for this and that audience is fleeing pretty quick or they're worried that they will flee yeah but joe joe carr i presume his job is to be to get that saudi dollar as quickly as possible i mean it's it's going to be to shore up the pool yeah. Yeah, but coming coming back to interview with you to, you know, appease us. He's going to need He's not servicing that in one way shape or form. They're going to have to show the Saudi like they can sell on the promise of pool, you know, a 
pool in every backyard and a surfboard in every garage or whatever. Like they'll, they can sell a dream or try even Saudis are like, you know, petrodollar trillionaires are like, Oh, let me see truly like how many, let's see the engagement on this thing. Right. Like they actually need the fans at this moment, maybe more than ever. Uh, if they're actually looking to actively sell. And so I do believe that this is the, this would be the time for them to shore up. This would be the time to say, Hey, we hear you fans. Like none of, that's the crazy thing. None of the fans desires or hopes or dreams are obscene or absurd in any way, shape or form. They would not only be better for the product, they would be cheaper. Yeah. But we're not the fans of what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're right with what you're saying, except what the Saudi, whoever is going to be buying, isn't us who are going to be watching an event at pipeline. They're buying the idea of building out these wave pool. Yeah. And so, and we're not those fans. So what they're going to go do is interview somebody who's standing on the sideline of the pool. But they know full well though, that, and they have this, they have all of that data from uh, both surf ranches or the surf ranch pros or however many they've run nobody, but nobody wants to watch that. Nobody, no surf fan, no non-surf fan. Nobody wants to watch that. No, they're totally masking the reality of that truth and selling something else. I mean, that's the thing though, is they have to, the Saudis with their financial advisors and whatnot, they're not going to look at this and say, well, it looks good to us. looks like you got, you know, whatever bold roar numbers the world surf league puts out are going to be scratched right through by anybody halfway competent so unless ziff is going to sell to somebody more incompetent than him uh they're going to have to figure it out with in terms of actually shoring up a bit of their core audience i think well let's we've given them enough those non-surfing surfers uh, non-surfing arbiters of the surf world uh enough of our time so let's transition to the most core piece in all surf media which is pros in the wild it's all core all the time here and I know this might, I don't want to oversell it, but I liked this one a lot when I read right. this one. Uh, DLS and Chaz, this might go on a bit long, but it comes full circle. So bear with me. Just before the new year, I was with my wife's family home here at my wife's family's home here in the Czech Republic when the mother-in-law offered me a tea. This is really good, I thought. So I asked my wife what kind of tea it was, and she showed me the box. Moringa. I nearly blew the tea out of my nose as memories of a chance encounter I had with one of the pharaohs of our hobby came rushing back to me. The day was December 31st, 2016, New Year's Eve. A friend and I were living on the North Shore of Kauai, and around this time we were mostly homeless, sleeping at the beach and working odd jobs when we could. We had no plans for New Year's Eve. However, my friend's brother also lived on the island and had a big group of friends. So he invited us to join them for their New Year's Eve gathering at the end of the road on the west side of the island. You know the spot. After the obligatory stop at Costco for a few pizzas and other camping essentials, we were on our way to meet our new friend group out west. We quickly deciphered that we didn't have much in common with these folks. They were the they were more of a new agey variety who attend cacao ceremonies and whose olfactory senses might get offended by the scent of L'Oreal shampoo. It was a Burning Man Kauai edition, Om Shanti. 
Feeling a little dejected, we decided to not, to hang back by the cars, sucking down suds, munching pizza, and eventually lighting off a few firecrackers because why not? There's nobody around for miles. This goes on for a little while, and at some point, I reach back into my car to grab a bottle of bourbon and more firecrackers when I turn around and I see a disheveled, homeless-looking man about 10 feet from us and charging. Seemingly appeared from uh, seemingly to have appeared from thin air, the man gets within 18 inches of my face and just lays into us, a full-on expletive-laden tirade, his wrath directed squarely at me and to a lesser degree, my buddy. What the blank are you guys doing? I drive all the blank way out here to get away from people, and here you are doing this? And on and on it went. My friend was complete deer in the headlights during the outburst, but at some point during the epic scolding, it dawned on me who this irate man was. No, I thought, it's not possible. When there was a gap in the profanities, I looked at the man calmly and I said, hey, I used to see you surfing swamis. The shouting stopped. He knew that I knew. The man took a few steps back, turned away to brush his hair behind his ears, turned back to face us, all of the rage from the moment from moments ago is now replaced by a waves of cosmic energy emanating from the man's Ram Dass smile and eyes that could see into my soul, cool as a cucumber. He stuck out his hand and he said to me, hi, I'm John Peck. Nice to meet you. At this point, I began apologizing profusely to the pipeline pioneer for my childish behavior. I had managed to turn the original surfing Buddha into Dr. Jack from Dr. Dr. Jekyll into Mr. into Mr. Hyde. What could be worse? He too was gracious and apologized for losing his shit at us. It was next level, by the way. And we all had a good chuckle about it. We talked for a bit and he asked, and I asked him what he was doing all the way out here. He said he was quote, meeting some friends. He said, what friends? I thought, yep, you guessed it. The friends he was there to meet were the same heady crew that we had fallen in with. Later that evening, after plenty of fire spinning and Caucasian tribal drumming, John made his way over to me and told me to cut my hands. He then dropped a dozen seeds into my hand. What's this? I said, they're seeds from a Moringa tree. He said with eyes wide open, as if sharing a secret to eternal life with me, it's a superfood. Plant them at home and you can have your own Moringa trees. Whoa. When I finally woke up on January 1st, I unzipped my tent, looked to the beach. The first thing I saw in 2017, John Peck, completely alone on the beach in Kauai, no audience, no partners, going through an elaborate yoga routine with Makaha Point in the distance behind him. Majestic. He then paddled out solo and surfed a few waves from the outside all the way to the sand before calling it a session. It was exactly what how I it was exactly as I had imagined from the stories and lore surrounding his persona feeling truly blessed to be uh feeling truly blessed by the gods to have witnessed it when my when my friend's brother the one who invited us to the gathering was talking to me on the drive back i told him what far out interaction i had had with a surfing legend surfing legend he looked at me quizzically we've known john for years and i just thought he was some older hippie cruising around the island and so it goes with john peck the penetrator keep Dr. Scholl. Epic, epic, epic. You know, as you were reading, as I was sitting for a story hour, mesmerized, it's beautiful, thinking all of these are so beautiful and most of them are so well-written. We should 
publish a uh, Pros in the Wild like coffee table edition or something. But it doesn't even have to be that grand. It could just be a book. Yeah, I agree. You know, the other idea we had a while back was having them animated. Yeah, exactly. I still believe, uh, yeah, we gotta, we've got to do this. Like, they're too good. We have enough now. We have like a collection of proper good ones. Like this one and the, uh, oh, what's the the Honolulu Bay one? Uh, who was that? The... Uh, Bethany so, Hamilton and oh no it was um the Bethany one too though but also no, but the, it was Rochelle Ballard Rochelle Ballard exactly like there's all of the I mean we could, we would have a whole multiple chapters Tom Curran alone but like we have so many of these good ones now I think it's we got to put them somewhere they can't just live in the podcast archives remember uh, yeah I totally agree remember the Laird Hamilton yeah uh, on the SUP, taking yes. off on the nose and doing the helicopter yes. 360. Down. That was one of the that was one of the earlier ones. Yeah, yeah, so uh, good. Yeah. Yes, epic one. But yeah, great to see these figures too, like John Peck, whose name doesn't ever get mentioned, really, you know, but holds such an important place in surf's history. And thank you for sharing. Like this is a especially it's the pros in the wild are properly the antidote to. Uh, grumpy localism like it's we can spout off on toledo being a sis and on the world surf league driving it off a cliff and on and on and on and then just sit back and be like um um yeah. shanti exactly all right well thank you for your contributions listeners keep them coming surf splendor gmail.com of course or listener line uh, i should find that number and read that out or go to you know go to surf get the listener line number uh okay Seven six zero two three seven zero one five zero. If you want to call in anything, all right. Well, let's go to commercial break, pay some bills, then we will be back with barrel or not. We talk about sustainability a lot in surfing and especially surfboard manufacturing which is great, but we are all massive offenders and contributors to environmental toxicity daily in our homes in a way that is quickly and easily stoppable. So I wanna direct your attention to Blue Land. We started using Blue Land in our home and I'm embarrassed that I hadn't thought of implementing this sooner. Blue Land's mission is to reduce single-use plastics for all of the cleaning products in your home. So hand soap bottles, laundry detergent bottles, glass cleaner bottles, under your sink, in your kitchen, and your bathroom, you probably have dozens of different plastic bottles that you will throw away and replace with another, each of them single use and all having harsh chemicals that they use to do their cleaning jobs. Well, Blueland sends you reusable glass bottles for all of that stuff and tablets for each that you drop in and dissolve with water, which becomes your cleaning solution. So again, foaming hand soap, a multi-surface cleaner, a bathroom cleaner, glass and mirror cleaner, dishwashing detergent, laundry soap. They make everything you need for your home. And very importantly, the products work. They aren't toxic. They use environmentally responsible ingredients and they clean as well as the harsh chemical cleaners that we were using previously. And to top all of that off, it's way, way cheaper than the traditional products that we were using. They are powerfully effective, plastic-free, clean ingredients, and they save us money. And just in case you never paid attention to how pervasive plastics are in our life, I wanna give you two kind of shocking facts. 
Number one, plastics break down. So your water bottle, your food packaging, all of that is being contaminated by microplastics that are breaking down into your food and water, and then you are ingesting it. So listen to this. It's estimated that we are eating a credit card's worth of microplastics every week. Shocking. And fact number two, scientists predict that by the year 2050, the ocean will contain more plastics by weight than fish. So we really need to stop our plastic usage. Blueland is the solution for cleaning up your home. Blueland.com slash surf. We will save you 15% on your first order. It's revolutionary, refillable, home essentials, eliminating single-use plastics. We love the product. It's clean, effective, affordable, and easy. Blueland.com slash surf. For 15% off, blueland.com slash surf. Clean up your home and enjoy. Factormeals.com slash surf5050 will save you 50%. Our lives have been made infinitely easier, healthier, and more pleasurable this last month with Factor. Factor sends delicious, nutritionally-minded meals to your door that you simply heat and they are ready to eat. No prep, no cooking, no cleaning. We have 35 different meal options each week, and you can choose as few as six or as many as 18 per week. You can adjust, you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries anytime from week to week. So, you know, just from hearing me on the podcast that I care about food. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I cook, you know that we eat well, and I'm certainly conscientious about nutrition. Factor has filled a gap and created a solution in our life by providing ready-to-go meals. So for a busy day when you don't have time to make a lunch, Factor meals are ready in two minutes. Twice this past week when I didn't have time to prep dinner for my two-year-old and I also didn't want to give him frozen pizza or chicken nuggies once again, he actually shared and ate some of my Factor pasta with sun-dried tomato and pesto and goat cheese one night part of my cilantro, lime, chicken, and rice another night. He loved it. And my wife, by the way, loves the convenience. This has saved her a couple of times this month during lunch when she came home starving and wasn't prepared. And beyond those things, I just love the quality of the food. They also have keto options, calorie smart options, vegan and veggie options. We personally do the chef's choice, which are restaurant quality, but nutritionally minded dishes. Again, it's not a meal kit. It's pre-prepared, ready-to-heat meals. Super simple, solves a problem for us. Oh, and we also get the wellness shots, which are delicious. It's a great bonus, great thing to have on hand, on the go. We will get you two of those free wellness shots and 50% off your first box. Go to factormeals.com surf50. 50% off your first box, but you'll actually get those two wellness shots for free with every box while the subscription is active. Never be in a bind where you make a hasty, poor meal choice like fast food. Instead, eat delicious chef-crafted meals within two minutes by having Factor on hand in the fridge. Factormeals.com slash surf50. Enjoy. Rocketmoney.com slash surf. When I cut cable a few years ago, I slowly replaced it with a dozen streaming and subscription services. To be perfectly honest, I lost track of those expenses. Five bucks a month, seven bucks a month, it didn't seem worth tracking initially. 
That was until you multiply that number by 10. And then when my wife and I got married, we realized that we were both in the exact same position. We knew that there was probably three or so that we actually used weekly. We could quickly merge those onto one account, but it turned out that there were another dozen or so each that we were both paying for separately for years without either of us using. And this is precisely what Rocket Money is designed for. It's a modern tool that meticulously tracks the details that we easily get distracted from. Specifically, it's a finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. It gives you freedom by helping you see your subscriptions in a simple dashboard where everything is tallied in one spot. And where we found it most helpful was in its simplicity. Subscription services can make it intentionally difficult or time-consuming to cancel. Here, you can click on the cancel button in Rocket Money's app and it'll cancel the subscription for you. It simplifies everything. We even got a notification about Netflix's recent price increase before it even happened, just warning us that it was coming. So Rocket Money has over 5 million users. It's helped save members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com surf. Calm the clutter in your head. Simplify the tedium of your financial life. Find freedom through rocketmoney.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Chaz, we're back. So exciting. Man, so... Last week, we totally blew it. Obviously, we we did the show midweek on Wednesday, and we forgot Valentine's Day was coming up. The uh, Super we didn't Bowl. warn how many Dude. how many of our dear listeners did we just straight let down? We're supposed to give them advice. Ah, this is like really, truly, you're, you're supposed to rem remind me. And in so doing, our listeners get reminded, usually. 
is how this goes. Well, I... Did you succeed? I was the beneficiary, actually. Lauren, the reason why we recorded early in the week was uh, Lauren booked a surprise Valentine's weekend getaway to Catalina for us. Catalina's. Be, I mean, I don't want to talk about Catalina. I want to treat Catalina like I treat the Isle of Maui. Do, do nice, I mean, nice smoke screen. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Avalon is what you just stayed in Avalon, right? Yeah. Uh, and Avalon is fine. It's great. It's weird. So weird. I think uh, the suicide rates amongst young people in Avalon are higher than anywhere else in I've never California. Heard that. That's yeah. scary. I mean, it's, it's weird, right? Like I think it's isolated and it's weird. Uh, but aside from that, there's beautiful architecture, but when you start sailing around Catalina, that's when you really, really, really have some fun. So for listeners who aren't from Southern California, they're probably not fully aware of it, but it's an Island 60 minute boat ride off of Los Angeles and Orange County. And like literally 8%, not even 8%, a tiny percentage of it has been developed. All the rest of it is preserved. There's Buffalo on the island, lots of interesting history, but it was also purchased um, fairly early on. It was developed once or twice by a couple of different people and then purchased early on by the Wrigley family who owns Wrigley Gum. And because of that, they've documented and saved and actually built a museum all of the development and the history of the island so nothing's been lost to time you know like you can kind of see everything and they've also preserved everything and prevented the development of it so it's this really interesting little enclave of a community that isn't far from a main metropolis but um, is just far enough away to where you take that 60 minute boat ride and you feel like you're in the Caribbean or something. You're in, a, some you're in another world country. Yeah. But so I agree with you. I had never been impressed by it. Um, I thought it was weird kind of novelty. I've been maybe three or four times in my life prior, but I think I went during the summer months when it was just yeah. overrun going in the winter time was amazing. It was Peaceful. completely empty totally serene we had the stuff open? To ourselves yeah the restaurants and there's great restaurants now there too. Are, there's some good restaurants so it's like we had this incredible hotel room they upgraded us for some probably just because it was empty so we had this incredible hotel room that we'd have nice meals we got on the buffalo tour went and saw the interior of the island saw the buffaloes uh went hiking you know like got our outdoor kind of energy fix in and then uh did you go to the southern half of the island that they're strip mining no, what are they doing? They're just strip mining it. It's so what? bizarre. Catalina's probably Roxford, LA. Who knows? Like huh. the whole southern half uh, of or southern corner, I guess it'd be the southeast corner, is legit just a strip mine. They're just hacking the island off. You can see that obviously from the sailboat. I mean, you could see it from like San, you could see it from San Diego. Like really? when on bright days, if you look at Catalina, it's just a big cliff on that side. Interesting. Uh, yep. Weird. Well, we did do a uh, submarine, so we got oh. to see the under. Did, did, did you do the submarine in the dive park? Uh, I don't think so now. Uh, Catalina has a dive. So it's right off the casino for any divers. There's still mosquitoes. Heck. Got you. Uh, the, uh, yeah, there's a dive park there. So in COVID, we sailed out there and did it. Obviously nobody's there, but the marine life in that dive park 
is insane. It's like literally right offshore, but it really drops right there. So I think it gets down to about 90 feet maybe. Okay. But I was down there. There was like giant grouper that were like as big as Volkswagen Beetles down there and all kinds of stuff. Crazy. It's phenomenal. Yeah. In their museum, they show some of the fishing exploits and the size of stuff that they catch is unbelievable. That that um, passage between the mainland and the island is 3,000 feet deep. It's yeah. like the deepest passage, I think, in the world, they said. That, that's where they dumped a bunch of, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like a whole ton, ton, ton of World War II mun munitions, I think it is. Really? That are down there. Yeah, that it's just like, it's like a absolute toxic dump down there. Wow. Yep. Incredible. Good job. Good job, yeah, California. Fascinating history. Yeah. Um, well, I also, speaking of uh, what's been going on in the last week since I've seen you, I spent way too much time in the car this week. And all I could think about was getting my weekend vans. Oh, yes. Weekend vans. I literally went to San Diego one day. I had to go to Ventura yesterday. I came back during traffic and it was literally like two and a half hours. And I'm like, you know, what would be better right now is getting out of the driver's seat and walking into the back and getting a drink out of the cooler no kidding no kidding i mean yeah i had this discussion uh it was with the wife maybe but like driving on the street talking about the difference between like a camper you know versus like a shell on your like a kitted out shell on your pickup versus a trailer versus whatever versus a sprinter right and yeah like in a both the camper whatever and the sprinter like the fact that you your family could be back there enjoying themselves while you are traveling or you could be back there enjoying yourself while you were traveling is i mean i don't know why for those yeah can't beat them join them get a sprinter van i'm not yeah i'm not advocating for this illegal maneuver on the behalf of weekend vans however if you are in rush hour traffic stop and go stop largely swap wives with your or swap wives swap, swap wives. seats with you swap seats with your wife you know what I mean? Like if you're sitting there driving, you, you got to pee, you got whatever you got to do, get in the back. She can jump in the driver's seat. No and, worries. Uh, take a break, man. I mean, yeah, no, the never has the time been more right nor more ripe for a weekend van. Well, weekendvans.com or on Instagram at weekendvans, they'll build you a kitted out sprinter camper van. Or if you have one, they will renovate, retrofit yours for you. But the greatest news is, is uh, maybe you just want to try one out. You don't want to quite commit to the purchase. They rent them now. And the one of the rental vans they just finished, he said, I have access to it as of Feb February 20th. So Tuesday, it will be ready for my possession to take and make it into a podcast van. So I'm thinking maybe next Friday we can do a okay. podcast in the weekend van. Fantastic. I cannot wait. I am excited about this. I'm going to mark it on my calendar because this sounds fun, David Lee Scales. Where are we going to do it? Are we going to do it in? I'll, yeah, I'll, dr I'll drive down and grab you and then we can go to the beach maybe. Great. I was thinking Swing like, yeah, we can... Um, I don't know. We can maybe keep it casual the first time, but then I'm thinking we can be strategic and like go surf with Joel Tudor and then Joel Tudor can hop in the van and do a podcast with us or Rob I, Machado. I like it. I like it all. Yeah. So we'll work it all out, but thank you weekend vans. We appreciate the support and uh, building the studio. Huge. Massive. Okay. Barrel or nah. Gifting Valentine's to someone who 
other than your par- romantic partner? Oh, this is a major one, David Lee Scales. And I'm going to say it's a giant nah past the age of 12. A oh, nah like, past the age of 12. Like, this didn't exist for me up until maybe this year, maybe who, last year. But who were you, ex- you expected to give a Valentine to? Well, that's what my fear is for next year is that I'm going to be the one who's expected. But Lauren's writing Valentine's to all of our parents, sending them in the mail. Oh, she, no. Lauren's, he, Lauren's way off piste here. You got to rein that in, man. You got to no, say, hey, nobody does she's not. She's not the only one, though. I've seen everybody else doing it, too. And so now I feel like next year I'm going to be obligated to get something for my mom. No, no. There's nothing more that the the uh, the card industry, whatever, this the fake I mean, not that Valentine's Day is a fake day, right? We all love love and all that, but it should be simple. Uh, nothing more than the Costco and, or not them, I suppose, than what? Target Hallmark. and Hallmark. yeah, Hallmark, all these, but nobody gives a Hallmark card anymore. So to, to call them like Hallmark. I think Hall- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, the company that we buy now. That's what they want. That's what exactly. They're like, yes, Lauren, you're doing the right thing. Everybody gets a Valentine. A Valentine for you. No, 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 no. This thing is it's personal. It's simple. It's between it's sexual. That's what you should tell her. You should say, hey, Lauren, Valentine's Day is sexual. Are you s- sexually coming on to my mother? Exactly. This feels incestuous at this yes. point. And by the way, forget about you don't even have to buy an actual gift to overspend those cards are like eight bucks a card now so if you buy five of them you're in for 40 bucks just in cards alone i gotta i've had like some rolls and of course we all mail less and less and less so i've had like a roll of forever stamps sticking around i think oh uh what was this is funny funny little memory uh remember when Trump was all pissy at the post office or something and talking about I was going to defund the post office, something like that. It was like early days. And so when I do remember defund. Yeah. yeah, When was Trump president? 2016. So this would have been like, yeah, 2016 ish. So a long time ago. And for some reason, libs were like the way we get back at him is buying a ton of forever stamps. Right. We're (laughs) And so, I do remember that. Yeah. And so my beautiful and loving and wonderful far left wife uh, bought so many stinking forever stamps that they're just like, there's rolls of like a burglar will someday break into the house here <laughs> and not find anything of real value, but find like forever stamps and think boom, because I, so all to say, I haven't checked or did have been unaware of the price of stamps for years now. Right. Just yeah. years and years uh i was at the post office some dude was trying to mail something and i heard the post dude say I, i'm gonna get it wrong but i want to say it was like 74 cents or something for a stick here i gotta i gotta google it well because when they introduced that forever stamp with that trump thing i think it was 41 cents yeah so that's so, a huge so, increase so which is a great investment so all those lefties <laughs> out there great, dude that <laughs> That's a huge investment. I mean, a huge uh, increase. Like she should have bought $1 million worth. She should have. Uh, let's see. Price of stamp. This is worth it. Uh, postage rates. Oh, come on. Don't give me that bull crap. Uh, 68 cents. Wow. 68 cents for a regular stamp. So she would have made 50%. 50%. Increase. Did make. I mean, I think there's still forever stamps just everywhere around this house. The problem is, I don't know what the what the black market on forever stamps is, but it's, there's gotta be one. Just sell them. Yeah. Sell them for 60 cents. Yeah. 
The buyer get the buyer saves eight cents, and your wife makes twenty uh, on her forty one cent purchase. That was a great idea, but yeah, sixty. So all to say, though, back to the Valentine's for nobody except your lover. Which and we should let's bring it back here. You don't give Valentine's to anybody but your lover or who you want to be your lover. So no Valentine's for your kids unless you're a creep. No Valentine's for anybody. No Valentine's for coworkers. Again, unless you're being creepy. Like only for your lover or somebody you want to bed. Under the age of 12, as you said, it's all fair game. It's all it's, platonic. Yep. But I agree with you. After that, it sends a very direct message. And that message currently has been muddled and we need to write this ship for 2025. We need to get it back. So dear listeners, help us make Valentine's Day sexual again. <laughs> That's gonna Mavs. Mavs. Mavza. Yeah. yeah. Mavs I like it. it. Doesn't quite have a ring, but I like just no need to abbreviate it. <laughs> uh okay. That leads us to our second barrel or not coming in from a listener. Hi, David and Chaz. I recently gave birth to my first child. Of course, me and his dad are hoping the little one will develop a love for the outdoors just like we have. I see my fellow outdoor enthusiasts post photos of their newborns on surfboards. The little worms being awkwardly laid out on cold surfboards, their eyes barely open. You can read the discomfort from being subjected to their parents' dreams and projections on their little fat faces. As a surfer for 12 years, I've been tempted to photograph my, in my eyes, extremely handsome son on, with my surfboard or mountain bike, but something tells me that I shouldn't. In a world with war and global wars warming raging, this seems like an appropriate subject to deliberate on. Barrel or nah. Greetings, by the way, from a new surf mom from the Netherlands. Congratulations, dear surf mom. And from the Netherlands makes it even better. I'm going to be real honest. When I first heard I'm a listener to your show and I just gave birth, it took me three clicks of the mind to get over to a woman. <laughs> like... I was initially thinking this, this guy transitioned and got pregnant. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's a woman. And uh, then a guy, a guy who's like so in touch with his family yeah, and his partnership that he that said, he's identifying. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I'll say thank you so much for listening. Uh, and here's you came to the right place, of course, because here's what you do. Guaranteed, you identified and are exactly right that. Early childhood trauma is caused by laying a uh, beautiful, fresh baby on a surfboard. What you do is you lay that beautiful, fresh baby and Instagram it too, because we have to have this for posterity because it has to go into your beautiful, fresh baby's cerebral cortex. You lay them on something and photograph them lovingly on it that you hate. So you take your baby and lay it on a sup with <laughs> gripping a paddle right? And then click. You basically cured your kid from ever supping. You take your baby and you lay it upon a longboard soft wheeled skateboard. Click. That baby will never longboard soft, soft wheel skateboard again. Any activity that you actively dislike, that's the place to put your newborn, take a picture. You are paying it forward into their life forever. They will not take up that thing Guaranteed. 
you put your baby in disco clothes with like a flashing disco ball above them. Click my di look at my little disco darling. It ain't Man. never going to dance. Man, this is excellent advice. And yep. I really feel like I missed an opportunity here. I is think he it's too, not too two late. Years, he's two it's years. It's a little now. too late because he'll, he'll like mess it up. Austin will like. He also has opinions already. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like he I'll present like... something into the scenario and he'll be like, F that. Yeah, I'm not posing with that. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You, you did miss it. But yeah. Imagine if we could, if all surfers could take their babies and photograph them on SUPs. The subpopulation in a generation would be half as much as it is today. There's got to be a photo of young Felipe at Pipeline. Yes, so true. I mean, Papa Toledo was a pro, was he not? Wasn't he? For he? sure. For sure. Got him to Hawaii at a young age and like posed him in front of a big day in December and snapped That's a photo. So true. That is, this is where it all came from. We've yeah. identified. Felipe, share the photo. Yeah. It'll it'll help your process. I think it's part of the cleansing process. It has to be. It has yeah. to be. Like if you're any good psychologist would say, we have to go all the way back to the root. That's the root. Little yeah. Felipe naked on the sands of pipeline when it's pumping out the back. Yeah. So now our uh, female listener, new mother in, in the Netherlands, has got to start a list of all the yeah. things that she wants to ward off for yep. her young boy. Yep. And start start mowing them down. I think it starts with sup, but take it from there. It's risky business though, because stand up paddling is adjacent to surfing, and there's a possibility that some wires could get crossed in the baby's brain. You don't know how that's going to pan out. You know, like they might just wholesale discard all water sports at that point. It is a risk, but would you rather have a child who didn't participate in water sports at all, or Eric Logan? That's what you got to look and ask yourself. It's a great question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need time to, to <laughs> marinate on that. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm just afraid of getting that poo-poo touch, dude. That's the thing. Like, that's why I don't want to spend too much time. I want to marinate on it, but then I don't because- You and I already have it. You and I have been poo-poo touched, I think. So you and I, uh, for those who have watched, uh, of course, the HBO hit show, The Last of Us, or is that what it is? The Last of Us. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch The Last of Us? No. Where- uh, so uh, the whatever show is about fungus, mushrooms, basically taking over the entire, they're turning everybody into zombies, right? Everybody gets turned into zombies. It's like this mushroom that turns people into zombies, then they bite you and then you're zombified, whatever. One lady uh, was pregnant uh, and the zombie came in bitter while she was giving birth. And so she cut the umbilical cord, but she was still bitten. So she turned into a zombie, but the baby was immune. You and I got bit by Eric or touched by Eric Logan's poo-poo touch when we were all kind of babies. And so you and I are immune to the poo-poo touch. We have, we're the only ones, I think, immune to Eric Logan's poo-poo touch. Okay, that's good. We have the antidote. We do. We are the antidote. That's the problem. In this show, people want to get her and like cut her brains out or whatever to use. So mm -hmm. people are going to want, the Clippers, more likely than not, are going to want to quarantine us and like draw our blood. You know what? If Felipe came asking for help, I wouldn't help him. But if the Clippers come, I'm <laughs> going to say, open that pay, open that checkbook, baby. If Kawhi Leonard comes and says, hey, David Lee, I need a quick blood transfusion before the game. I need to switch all my blood with all of yours. Then, you, I mean, yeah, I'm going to pay you $2 million. It'd be okay. I mean, 
you'd reap you, your liver and all that. You can handle the poo-poo touch. I can yeah. handle the poo-poo touch. Kawhi yeah. Leonard can't handle the poo-poo touch. We got exposed long and hard to that poo-poo touch, and it took us down for one podcast. It did. Then, I mean, and then there it, was some comedy that came out of it afterwards, but yep. we bounced back. We're still alive and kicking. Got the full dose. Yep. I got the full, full dose. poo-poo dose. Yeah. And by the way, just play it safe and go to drinkag1.com slash surf <laughs> and then drink a bunch of that. You're fine at that point. I drank mine today. Me it's too. gotten me through everything. Okay. Uh, final barrel or not? Journaling. Ooh, this is a solid one. Uh, so I'll give you a backstory if you want to think about it for a second. This was not a Valentine's gift for my mother, but she gave it to me this morning. Didn't mention Valentine's Day, so I think we're safe here. But she just was like, hey, if you want, if you don't want this, give it back to me and I'll give it to somebody who would appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what she said. Yeah. It's called Gratitudes and Beatitudes. It is, as you can see, a very beautiful, uh, beautifully bound little journal. And there's, I think, um, for each given day, you know, February 16th, you open it and it has five years worth of lines penciled out. So you write in the year today and you write down something that you're grateful for. There's a prompt on the other side of the page. So you read the prompt and then you write down something on today with today's year on that page, uh, something that you're grateful for. And then next year, you use the line below it for that same exact page. And then over the course of five years, you have you know everything that you are grateful for on February 15th or 16th or whatever for five years, you get to reflect back on it. I'm all for it. I think that's a great practice. I think anything that makes you pause and pull out a pencil and a paper book anyway is great. Uh, a great practice. Um, and I suppose with the idea being that in five years time, when you're getting pulled over for something rather else and you're rage filled that you look at your gratitude and beatitude and flip to that day real quick and just think of all the good things that happened. This is okay. This is just a hiccup on the road. This speeding ticket I'm about to get. Yeah. I mean, just the practice of, I think journaling as a general point is good, but practice of writing down something that you're grateful for fosters gratitude. Sure. Like totally. if you take time every day to think about it and then actually write it down, you just then feel more grateful, which is a, a good thing. And I think feeling more grateful than, uh, begets like things to feel grateful about. I think a exactly. positive like outlook and all this kind of stuff is generally not that I believe that karma and blah, blah, blah. But I think if you're like looking for the good and stuff, then you see the good stuff. Yep. I agree. I'm barrel. Ending on, ending on a high note. Thanks. We mom. are after thank you. And so thankful that it wasn't a Valentine's gift <laughs> because then you'd have to question if you'd have more questions than answers. Yeah, I have something that I'm not grateful for that I would write as my first entry. Um, but the the funny thing is, she's said that she's like, take if you want if you're actually going to use it, keep it. If not, give it back to me, and I'll give it to somebody who will appreciate it. And I opened the gift, and I saw what it was, and I go, "All right, I'm going to be honest, mom. I no. really want to be this guy. Yeah, like I want to be the guy that uses this journal." I don't know I have the discipline to follow through, but I am going to make an entry today and I'm going to try my best tomorrow. And she's like, look, it only takes a minute. I'm like, I don't think you understand. There's like 30 things that only took a minute yesterday 
that yep. are on my list today yep. that I still haven't gotten to. That are stacked on the 30 things that yeah. take a minute from the day before. Exactly. And so this is now 31 on today, plus the 30 from yesterday. It's now 61st in line. Because that's a, with that too, it's one of those things that you can't wake up in the morning and do it before you get out of bed thing. Because you actually have to, like, I would imagine it's the thing you have to do at the end of the day. Because you have to think about that day and the gratitude, something grateful in that day, right? Yeah, yeah. I would exactly. imagine. Yes, which yeah. something I'm stuff, feeling grateful for today. It's the stuff at the end of the day that you're supposed to do is the stuff that is clearly the stuff that's on the chopping block first. Yeah. Yeah, just like oh. the push-ups I was supposed to do today and the emails exactly. I was supposed to reply to. Exactly. For anybody, for anybody who DMs and doesn't get a reply, this is why. It's not your fault. It's not that I didn't appreciate it. It's just, it's on the list of things to do. On the list. But I'm too busy talking about Felipe and getting sidetracked by surf news. So it yep. is what it is. It's, it's clearly and obviously a magnetic conversation, Felipe Toledo. It Felipe is. Toledo got talked more about uh this past what week or i guess it's probably been three weeks total uh than he had in his entire life up until now no such thing as bad publicity man you'd think i mean he could turn this he could be stinking the rocky balboa real life rocky balboa he could be eddie the eagle he could be there's he could be rudy he could be i like off the top of my head i could keep going on ashes to the mountaintop sports stories uh, and Philippe Toledo could like etch his name. You don't even have to win. You just have to show effort. Look at this yeah. again, Jamaican bobsled, cool runnings. They yeah. didn't win Olympic gold. They went out and gave an effort. Philippe, go out and give an effort. He is setting up the ultimate redemption story. He is digging Absolutely. this giant hole so that he can trampoline out of it. And he has all so. the skill. I mean, that's the thing. He has all the skill. He has all the money. He has all the time. He has everything to do this. Like and so we I, took the bait. And I would love if he was just giggling, giggling in a back room. Thinking, yeah. you guys think you're all so smart with you. Better yeah. do Philippe should do this. Yep. You, I backed you in a corner. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. Now, Philippe Toledo winning an Academy Award. I'm here for it. I'm going to make that me as too. my entry today. I am grateful for Felipe and the journey that he has taken me on emotionally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, weekendvans.com. Thank you, drinkag one dot com slash surf and uh chaz anything else going on that you want to thank i don't think so i'm just grateful grateful for philippe grateful for ricardo toledo grateful for felipe's kids grateful for kelly slater's daughter got a lot of gratitude it's like thanksgiving around here <laughs> all right well until next week keep working